positive motivation for the evening. bring about more happiness and well-being within ourselves and in the world.
to review what we went through last week. So when we encounter problems and difficulties in our life, we're in danger of losing the ground of our spiritual ground. It's very easy to get totally involved in a negative emotion, totally sucked in to <laughs> by negativity, blame, anger, hostility, hide, replay wrong with the situation or what's wrong with that person and we can so right in with difficulties that we can so easily spiral into a negative mind right or an obsessive mind um, yeah, which or or fall into despair or depression Right? It could be anger, hostility, rage, it could be despair, it could be depression. It could be self-pity, right? It could be victim mentality and blame, right? All of those things, which won't help at all. Right? Understandable, right? But won't help at all. And what ends up happening is not only do we have a problem, but we become miserable at the same time. So it makes us, right, it makes our mental happiness go down. It makes us less able to solve the problem. And then, yeah, we can't sleep or, you know, we we can have physical problems, right? We can create, uh, if we blow up or lash out, we can create um, pain for others. So, and then what we end up doing according to Buddhism is perpetuating the cycle of pain. We end up perpetuating the karma, right? If we react negatively, what we're doing is we're creating karma for us to have further problems. Yeah. So it's not only that we're miserable in the moment, right? If we react negatively, we're creating causes for more misery in the future. Right? So there's no benefit, right? There's no benefit to reacting negatively. There's no benefit to reacting with rage. There's no benefit to lashing out. Right? I'm not saying that we should be a doormat right, and let people do whatever they want to to us. No. But we don't need to get fundamentally disturbed in our minds. Easy for me to say, right? But, <laughs> right? but the first step is really understanding, like really understanding that the lashing out or becoming deeply upset will never help the situation. We can only harm ourselves and possibly harm others as well. Yeah. So, alright, so we can train our minds to, to 
respond differently. But that training of the mind is not easy, right? It's very difficult. And we won't want to embark on it unless we're convinced that the other way is easier, right? It's a lot easier to, to become upset. Until we're convinced that that way doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's never worked. And it's never going to work. So, so that's something very good to reflect upon. Right? Very important to reflect upon because we need to become convinced ourselves, right? It needs to come from inside, right? Doesn't matter how much other people tell us. If we're not convinced inside, we're not going to make the effort to change. So, so yeah, they're useful to think about. respond with right with patience or respond with compassion or respond with you know just not getting upset we're cutting we're cutting the cycle of karma we're we're not like we're no longer perpetuating the pain right we're no longer perpetuating um, difficult circumstances we start to make a huge karmic shift if we don't react negatively. So yeah, I had this experience um, where a person in my family is has been hostile and angry my whole life, right? <laughs> And, you know, and very critical and, yeah, um, impatient towards me. And I had the habit of whenever he would attack me, you know, for me to attack back. <laughs> right? I mean, not, right, physically attack, but, you know, verbally. I mean, not attack, but say, hey, you know, you are so wrong, you know, you know. I mean, in an unconstructive way, right? And then one time, right, through training in the Dharma and through training in nonviolent communication, right? One time I got this really hostile email from this person. And for some reason, my response changed. Instead of like my habitual, you, you know, reacting to the false accusations, I, lis I saw the pain. I saw the pain in his email. Well, right, all that lashing out was pain. Right? And so I listened to the pain. I was trying to hear what he was needing, yeah? And then I responded with that, like from a place of trying to help him heal his pain. And I was astonished because that cut, that cut the cycle of, right? Because when I would respond with, 
dis a disrespectful email, right? He would just come right back with, right? And, uh, you know, and it wouldn't solve anything, right? And then when I finally heard his pain, right, and responded with, love and care and trying to heal him. It stopped it. It was it was a miracle. It was a miracle that I remembered to do that. <laughs> and it was a miracle that there wasn't a lashing out email in return. Wow. You know, so I think there was there's there was some karmic karmic shift those kinds of situations in our life. So it's it's useful. It's useful to try to change, right? The habitual response, right? The instinctive response is probably not going to be the most constructive response unless our mind is very well trained. So it's useful to take a step back and try something else, try to hear what's going on for the other person and, and try responding in a different way and just see what happens. So when we encounter problems, right, we can rail against them and consider those terrible, bad, anything but good. <laughs> Or we can respond in a more peaceful way. I mean, there is, right, according to the Dharma, there is another way. There is a more constructive way. Did I say destructive? Constructive. There is a more constructive way. <laughs> 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 Be careful. <laughs> and so in the Mahayana Dharma, right, in, in Buddhism, we can use the difficulty as fuel for our practice. We can use the problematic situation uh, to help us deepen our practice, to help us train our minds. <clears throat> All right, so training the mind. So we talked about this quite a bit last week, about the importance of training the mind that genuine happiness, lasting happiness, can only come from inside. It can only come from training our minds. Because, you know, having all the external conditions line up, right, so that we get everything that we want, and we have our comfort, and everybody treats us the way we want, and everybody treats us, right, with respect, Right? That's not going to happen. Right? Once in a while, things go smoothly and everybody is nice to us. And, right? And then we don't have to train our minds. Right? Then we're happy. Right? But it doesn't last. Right? It doesn't last. So, right? And right, we get aches and pains. And, right? I mean, difficulties will arise again and again. We are in cycles. We are in samsara, and problems are going to come. And so we want.
can't mind. Become master of our mind. So that eventually nothing will bother us. Wouldn't that be nice? Nothing will bother us. And then what happens also when we create more and more positive karma and less and less negative karma, also our external circumstances get better and better. People are nicer to us. We purify the negative karma, we're creating more, and our yeah, situation's getting better. And then ultimately we'll get enlightened and then bliss, bliss all the time. training the mind is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. The mind is the only thing that will will last. External things come and go, right? And beyond this life, I know not probably not everybody believes in future lives. But the Buddhist, you know, the Buddhist viewpoint is that we'll have our mind will continue on our subtle Only our mind that we can take with us in the end. So it'd be nice to take a mind that's positive, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? A negative mind that will bring about more problems. And, and yeah. All right. So, okay, so training the mind is easy to say, but it's difficult. What other choice do we have? Okay. 
so I'm not saying that we shouldn't change the external circumstance, right? Sometimes it's important to try to change the external situation, right? Especially if there's harm being done right? to oneself or to others. But also, at the same time, remembering to also do the mind training and not fall into these disturbing emotions. So the idea of this mind training practice is that we can use every situation to train the mind. We can use every situation as our spiritual practice. Every situation to progress along the spiritual path. And in each moment, we can create more samsara, or we can create nirvana. In each moment, depending on how we respond, depending on what we do with our bodies at each moment. In each moment, we can create more causes of suffering or more causes of happiness. In each moment, our spiritual practice is what we do with our minds, our body, speech, and mind, and primarily our minds in each moment of the day. Right? Our spiritual practice isn't just about a matter of sitting on the cushion and meditating. Even more importantly is what we do with our minds throughout the day. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what your life looks like, you can always practice, Yeah. no matter how busy you are. Right? Maybe you don't have time to meditate, but we can use whatever situation in our life to progress along the spiritual path. Yeah. And then, right, so, so training the mind, being, if that's the most important thing, problems are useful. Right? Normally we resist problems and difficult situations, right? But they're, they're so such good opportunities to strengthen our mind training. Right? Like because easy situations don't help us train our minds, right? When I get everything that I want, I don't have to train my mind. <laughs> the more difficult situations that provide the opportunity for us to strengthen our minds. Yeah. I was thinking about that in terms of, right, like if, if you lift weights, right, if you want to get stronger, right, you need to lift, learn to lift heavier and heavier weights over time, right? In a wise way, right, based on like knowing what your capacity is. And then gradually, like you only gradually increase your strength by increasing the amount of weight that you lift. Right? Or like mountain climbers, right? To become really, really good at, as a mountain climber, you gradually learn to climb more and more difficult mountains. You stick with the easy ones, you don't get better, right? If you stick with the 40-pound weights, <laughs> okay, that's just me. 
so humbling for me, right? It was so astonishing to me that there was no detectable anger and resentment. Like they decided, right, and this is the key, they decided to see this child as a gift. You know, it was like mind training par excellence, right? I mean, just amazing, right? Amazing richness. And then another friend of mine who was coming to the Dharma Center for years, maybe 10 years, his wife was suddenly diagnosed with cancer. And yeah, awful. She was. cleaning out the, their storage place and she kind of was sweeping and she broke her arm and that's when I mean they didn't know anything was wrong with her and then they went to the hospital and that she had kidney cancer and it had spread to the bones and yeah anyway so she lived for about a year and had eight surgeries in a year and uh, it was awful and the only thing that helped him like what he did you know back and forth to the hospital all day, every day. He would listen to Dharma teachings on transforming problems, and that kept him. That kept him sane. That kept him from falling into despair. So must learn to practice mind training. In mind training, we use whatever problems we experience to generate realizations along the path. So continue. Instead of disturbing you, problems can actually help you develop your mind and even further your progress on the path to Without practicing mind training, you will be unable to complete your Dharma practice. You'll be unable to complete your inner So then he continues and talks about in the modern times, right, in the challenging modern times, overwhelmed by suffering. And their minds are not resilient. He says this is because they're unable to recognize problems as beneficial. 
So he says, instead of seeing all the problems we experience, so problems caused by others or problems caused by situations, you know, problematic situations, instead of seeing them as problems, we need to develop the habit of recognizing them all as beneficial. So currently, we don't see them as beneficial. Well, maybe some of you do. Um, but if we're not currently seeing problems as beneficial, then that's because we just haven't trained our minds to see it that way, right? We're habituated to seeing problems in a different way. Yeah. So we just need, just, we need mm -hmm. to change our habits. And like any habit, it's difficult, right? And we have to start small, right? We won't be able to change our habit and change our attitude overnight, right? We have to change it slowly, slowly, right? We'll try to change it in one situation first, right? And then once we change it in one situation, then that habit has started, right? Then we've created an imprint in the mind so that we can do it a second time. And then we've created that, that habit more strongly, and then we can do it a third time. So initially, most of the time, we won't see problems as beneficial, but slowly, slowly, we can gradually see them as beneficial. And then we can transform our minds with respect to small problems, right? Like traffic, right? Our annoying situation, right? Inconsiderate people in the grocery store and right, in parking lots and etc. And then gradually work to, right? Inconsiderate people at work and then, then people in our family, right? People in our family are often the most difficult, right? People we live with are often <laughs> the most difficult, right? So gradually, right, we start with the small things and transform those, and then gradually we build up the strength and the resilience and the habit to transform the larger problems. So Dogo Kenzai Rinpoche says, mind and our mind alone that liberates us or binds us or imprisons us. It's our mind and our mind alone. Okay? Questions? Comments? Um, one thing I was thinking, I work with a lady, she used to be one of my managers, and she's amazing with seeing the positive in things and it seems like when you do that and you get more habituated to it then you see options that like I'm not able to see because mm -hmm. I'll go in and talk to her about things and I really can't see the positive in what's happening I can see that you know it's good it's not worse but I usually can't see the positive but I go and talk to her and she can see some aspect that's like 
I never even thought of. And I'm like, gosh, that's totally available. It's totally an option that I never even thought of. Uh-huh. It's really, really amazing. Uh-huh. I don't, I mean, I do it to myself to some degree, but she's like, she's deeply professional at it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. really great at it. And then when you were talking in the beginning, it was really funny because I've been studying this idea in one way or another for like, 10 years, and, you know, it's part of our culture, but when you were saying um, that anger is never going to be the answer, never going to solve anything, I could see myself, there's, like, a big part of me that's really not convinced of that. Mm-hmm. Like, logically, yeah. if I think about it, yes, I know that, you know, uh-huh. and then I can just, like, yeah. push it away to the other side. But, like, looking at what was actually going on when I stepped back, I'm not convinced of that, and so I think that's why I'm not really practicing it as much as I could be. Yeah. Because I don't really believe it in some way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great insight to have. Yeah. It's like, right, just looking inside and saying, no, I have resistance to that. So I don't really want to practice that, (laughs) right? If we have internal, right, doubts about it, then... Yeah. I say that's like the big one of the biggest obstacles to practicing is you know, yeah, well maybe, maybe not. Yeah. So what is do you wanna talk about that resistance or is it I don't even know what it is because I don't even like I don't like anger at all. Um, but it must be something in there that just don't believe that it's never helpful or something like that mm-hmm. like maybe it is sometimes or mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know what it is mm-hmm. it's surprising though mm-hmm. maybe I've just kind of skimmed over it because I've heard it a lot of times and not really like deeply practiced it so you know you hear the same language and you're just like yeah yeah I already know that which I think right. is the danger when it's practiced longer yeah to just yeah. not go deeply into something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. have a sense of what it is. I don't know if this is related, but I had a thought also towards the beginning when you were talking, and you were talking about um, getting that email from um, the relative that was annoying, and all of a sudden you saw his pain. And I was thinking, well, and you saw your own pain too. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that the catalyst? Seeing our own pain and not wanting to have our own pain, and then we see the other's pain as well. We just see pain. Mm -hmm. But isn't it our pain too? And maybe, you know, until we really recognize how much we're hurting ourselves, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it's really hard to change the habitual reaction until we really see the degree to which it's not only just hurting others, but it's also hurting ourselves. Because we want to become enlightened in order to benefit ourselves as well as others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I think you're right that we have to see the pain, like our own pain, in reacting with anger, in reacting with rage, 
Yeah, I mean, with this relative, right? I, I my previous, yeah, previous to that time, I had a another email exchange some years before, where, right? There was, you know, he has this this habit of rage and hostility and lashing out and just trying to hurt. And I got pissed <laughs> at being falsely accused and, you know, him trying to hurt me. And so I, you know, I, I responded with some sarcasm, right? I didn't respond with rage or anything. I mean, he knew it was, he was in pain, but I was, I was mostly concerned with, you, you, you know, you shouldn't do that to me. That was my, that was my part, right? Um, but I also saw how agitated my mind was getting these hostile emails, right? So then he cut me off because, <laughs> um, and then I hadn't, you know, heard from him for a few years, and then I got this hostile, insulting email out of the blue. <laughs> Right. Just um, so you don't forget about him. Just right. <laughs> <laughs> case you you weren't pissed off anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was so off, right? I mean, it was so <coughs> off, you know, it was like this huge story created in my mind. And I saw myself, you know, receive this and, you know, it was insulting me again. And, you know, and it was so clear, like he had no idea what was going on in my mind. Right. But, uh, you know, so I saw myself getting upset and then something just switched, right? Like, I don't want, I don't want to get all upset again, right? I don't want to spin around in obsession, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw how much pain I was experiencing, you know, from, from, he shouldn't do that to me, right? Um, and then, yeah, and then I, you know, I decided to focus on his pain. And, uh, and, yeah, and then just,
it was really hard for me and I was treated really badly over in a period of time and uh, and forget about patients practice right <laughs> and uh, I was I was pissed and my teacher was a, she came in town and gave a talk on the practice of patience and anger and I know <laughs> that it was for me <laughs> right it's all about me but yeah he was he was fierce he says yeah some of you have been practicing you know for a long time and, and your mind hasn't changed a bit <laughs> right he says and so, you know sometimes you want to get want to lash out. Sometimes you want this, sometimes you want to shoot bullets, right? Bullets of words back at that person, right? You want to hurt that other person. And I totally recognized that. And that was a huge training, this changing point for me. Yeah. So yeah, the teachings often talk about how you have to reflect on the disadvantages of anger over and over and over again until you're convinced. And we often like to just skip that part. Right. <laughs> I don't want to think about right all the the negative right repercussions of anger. But but there's a reason they say that in the teachings because it's essential essential to convince ourselves without a doubt that anger won't anger, hostility right, rage won't help at all it will only hurt yeah and we can hear that a hundred times and it could and we may be able to repeat all the teachings verbatim but until we really reflect inside then we'll sharing that. I think that's really, really practical and important. Yeah, thinking about it a little more, I think I'm actually wrong. I do like it in some way. The anger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't enjoy it. Like, it's not like my thing, you know, but but when it, I think there is some way where I do like it, and that's why I keep it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hanging on to it or something. And for me, there was this, you can't treat me like this. Right? There was this, you think you can treat me like this, well, I'll show you kind of thing, right? And, uh, and then I saw how the problem just escalated, <laughs> right? When I reacted that way. But right, wow. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Well, I do. I had a, what sounds like a similar experience to you where I was living with someone who was bullying me and treating me pretty horribly. And I had the opposite where I had just started learning about karma. And so I had the opposite where 
don't react with anger, don't react at all. And looking back now, I guess I haven't lived there two years or three years now. Looking back now, I realize that that caused so much harm too. Mm-hmm. You know, not that anger would have been the solution, but just letting, just taking it did not help either. Right. Yeah. Like really, um, really hurt them too. Yeah. Right. We had to find the middle way, right? Yeah, being a doormat, not standing up for ourselves, right? Not saying, hey, that's not okay, hurts, hurts us. I mean, if we're in, you know, high-level bodhisattvas and we can just let it, right, that's difference, right? We've realized emptiness and it doesn't bother, right? But, you know, most of us aren't there, right? So. Yeah, so there's this balance. There's this balance, right? Of, like, we have to take care of ourselves, too. Right? Take care of our minds, but also... Right? When somebody's crossing the line, say, that's not okay, right? Loving ourselves, having compassion for ourselves, taking care of ourselves. trying to to say it in a way that's not trying to hurt them, right? Not lashing out at them, but just saying that, you know, that's feeling that, you know, that is that is crossing the line. That is not okay. Right? That's helpful for them if they choose to hear it, right? That's helpful for you and that's and I think that's a really common mistake in the Dharma. We think, you know, we go overboard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'll just take it, I'll just take it. And then, right, and then our, our strength goes down. Our, right, we have to use love for ourselves as the basis. Right, taking care of ourselves. You know, I like the analogy of like trying to become stronger physically, right? Through lifting weights, right? We have to do that slowly based our, on our capacity, right? Because if you try to lift too much, you can hurt yourself. Right? So you have to take care of yourself. You have to know what your capacity is. And then you gradually grow your capacity based on right wisdom, right? Knowing where you are and respect for yourself and care for yourself. And in on the spiritual path too, we have to know what our capacity is and stretch our capacity slowly, slowly. And learn, you know, and learn. So learn when a particular situation is too much. And then 
our strength is right, we're getting stronger, we're getting more well, we're getting better, right? And if, if in our misguided practice trying to be, you know, perfect, right, and uh, not saying anything, right, we can, our strength can diminish, right? We can become grayer and grayer and weaker and weaker, right? And yeah, I see that so much and I in in my own experience right of taking on right situations and, and right the the practice of cherishing others we have to be so careful about that about having the right attitude right cherishing others not with a sense of I'm no good, not with a sense of aggression or harshness toward ourselves, but with a sense of caring and kindness toward ourselves and gradually extending it out to others, right? With caring and kindness and being really careful about being down on So NBC, right, nonviolent communication is super helpful to, to complement the Dharma, right? To to state what your values are, to state what your what your feelings and your needs are in a nonviolent way, right? Okay. Also, just wanting to mention, right, transforming problems does not mean looking for problems. Speaking out of difficult situations. Do they have to look for problems? I know. I know that seems like such a stupid statement for me to make, but yeah, but sometimes people think, well, I should stay in this abusive situation because, you know, because it's good for my practice. Right? No, no. Um, right? Well, that, that also goes into guru yoga and a lot of the kind of headlines as of recent times where, you know, followers and students of their teachers are kind of caught in these like, abusive types of relationships and teachers are saying, well, well some of the students are even saying, oh, well, the teacher's showing me my mind. Yeah, we we need to 
as you said, maintain vigilance and intelligence. Always use our intelligence. Yeah, use our intelligence. And then I can't emphasize enough right, healing ourselves and developing a healthy sense of caring about ourselves, right? Not a narcissistic caring, right? Not I'm the most important one, but using, right? deserve care, <laughs> right, as, as a basis, right, because if we don't have that as a basis, then our, our practice can become distorted and our practice can become, you know, yeah, can hurt, uh, end up hurting us, because we're thinking, well, I, I, sh I should, you know, I deserve this, or this is a good way to train my mind, yeah, that, that abusive person, yeah, that, high-level bodhisattvas, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't disturb your mind, you can, like, yeah, I mean, that's different, right, but we're not there. Yeah. So Dalai Lama says again and again, we have to use our intelligence, we have to use our intelligence, we have to use our intelligence, right, not to drop, to drop our discerning wisdom, right, because we're, we're trying to develop our own wisdom all the time. It's not subjugating our wisdom and Right, worshiping somebody else at the expense of our own wisdom, right? Yeah, it's it's good to have a guru and if they're a qualified guru and right, they can help you along the path. But yeah, we need to be careful about that. Good, uh, good issues. says that we need to train the mind in two ways. The first step is to stop the thought of complete aversion to problems and pain. And second, to generate, well, he says to generate the thought of welcoming problems. <laughs> welcoming problems, but generating thought. <laughs> at least Seeing problems as beneficial, as something, you know, something that can help, right? Well, not even just, uh, he was saying, not only can help our practice, but is actually essential to, um, yeah, developing our practice further and further. So, so under the first heading of stopping the thought. No, go ahead. Keep talking. I think you'll stop. Um, and at the stop of stopping the thought of complete aversion to pain and problems. So we need to reflect on okay, the fault of seeing difficulties as problems, as bad. Um, first of all, our minds will become easily upset. Right? We can become easily upset 
by even small things, right? Easily upset by traffic or the temperature or by bugs or, yeah, so many little things. And then our mind can easily become heavy and unhappy. And then it becomes a very difficult for us to bear challenging circumstances, right? And then the other thing is our mind becomes habituated to seeing things in, the, in a particular way. It becomes habituated to seeing, to becoming annoyed, habituated to seeing what's wrong in a particular situation. Yeah, and one of, one of the, I, I think, of the challenges is that we don't even see, necessarily see that there's another way to look at things, right? Like we're so habituated to seeing things in a particular way, we think it's the only way to see things. But there is, right, there is another, there's a more constructive way to be, right? We don't have to get upset when, right, it's too cold or it's too hot or when the chairs are uncomfortable or when there's too many people or when there's too much traffic or, right? We don't have to become upset by that. And if we do become upset, it only hurts us. It makes us unhappy. Yeah, and then we reinforce the habit of becoming unhappy whenever a difficulty arises. Right, and then we create more suffering for ourselves. So it's, there's a big, it's a big step if we can see that our unhappy, we're creating our unhappiness. We're creating our unhappiness by how we look at things. Yeah. By labeling things as bad, right? Traffic is bad. Right? We can train our mind. Zerbermache says, no matter how many problems you have, there is no point at all in being disturbed or irritated by them. So he's, yeah, yeah, he's very, very highly realized in my opinion. Yeah, and when he, yeah, when he encounters problems, he laughs. You know, he giggles, right? He giggles. It's amazing. You know, I hear about all the, you know, just a little bit of the problems of in the projects he's he has. Yeah, he has like hundred projects going on, and you know, there's so many obstacles and problems, and somehow, you know, he just stays light and giggles. So eventually, I want to practice. I want to talk a bit more about the practice of patience. 
foundation of Buddhist practice. And the opposing, like, you need to counteract the forces that oppose a kind heart, compassionate heart. And the, the opposing forces are hostility and anger and rage, etc. Yeah. Like the the compassionate heart, the kind heart, I think is incompatible with the the hatred and the hostility that wants to lash out and harm, right? Instead of wanting the best for others, wanting others to feel safe and cared for and protected, right? The, the hostility is the opposite when we want, we want, we want them, right? There's a, there's a certain wanting them to suffer, wanting them to feel pain, right? So those are incompatible. So the practice of patience is the mind that that remains undisturbed in the face of harm and difficulty and pain. It's mind that genuinely remains undisturbed or remains firm and steadfast. It's a strong mind. It's not a weak mind. It's a strong mind that's able to remain steady and okay, like deeply okay. It's not suppressing anger. It's not suppressing resentment. That doesn't work. But it's a mind that genuinely is okay. In one text, one classic Buddhist text, um, Abhisamaya Lamkara, it says, uh, patience is like an ocean. If you throw a stone in it, it wouldn't be disturbed from the depth. Shidaka says that yeah, patience is the undisturbed state of mind, right? the ability to maintain stability or calmness when we experience harm or pain or undesired circumstances. And patience is like an armor or a shield that won't be penetrated by insult. Garchin Rinpoche, we'll talk about Garchin Rinpoche in a minute, amazing, 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 amazing animal. He says that patience is, is the most important practice that's, you know, outside of emptiness, right, ultimate reality. And he says that we must attain a depth of bodhicitta or compassion like the ocean. Small circumstances on the surface don't disturb the depth of the ocean. And with regard to problems, he says, you know, in order to remove, right, to to attain lasting happiness, we need to reduce and ultimately eliminate the negative emotions, right, the disturbing emotions that cause pain and suffering. 
order to remove the disturbing emotions, they must rise to the surface. In the beginning, it's good to be in a peaceful place, in an easy, relatively easy situation. But then later on, it's good to have disturbances. It's good to have problems in order to practice, right? As we've been talking, right? So in the beginning, right, I mean, so as we were talking with the, the lifting weights, right, you, you try to, you know, create circumstances where you're not drowning or overwhelmed, right? Like, try to keep things within your capacity as much as you can, right? And then gradually we can grow our capability as, as our practice gets stronger, as our minds get more relaxed. <clears throat> and the other thing that I thought he was, that was really useful that he said was, so externally, we have to do many things, right? We have to work, we have to take care of the family, we have to go shopping, we have to eat, etc. But internally, in the mind, we try not to have tiredness or weariness in the mind. And he says it's important to understand the benefit of what we're doing. Because if you understand the benefit, you won't fall into tiredness and weariness with what we're doing. Right? So in those times when we're tired of training the mind, we're tired of trying to overcome the emotions, <laughs> we're tired of looking at our mind, we're tired, right? Yeah, we're tired. Um, then it's useful to remember the benefit. Right? If we remember the benefit, we don't get weary. And I was thinking about that, and I think it's very true. It's very true when I get discouraged. It means I, means I, I think of Dharma practice as being a hassle. Right? It's like... Oh, it's too hard. It's terrible. <laughs> right? So, like something right, I should be doing, right? As opposed to really seeing this is the path to deeper and deeper happiness. This is the path that will lead to a more and more peaceful mind, a more and more happy mind, a more and more upright and undisturbed mind. I want to do this because this will this will be beneficial, right? To me and to people around me. Yeah. So we so I think, you know, when we get discouraged or weary, right, we lose, right, we lose focus on how wonderful this is and how beneficial it is. amazing, right, like people, what people, you know, people are willing to undergo hardships for much lesser, right, aims, right, I mean, we go undergo hardships to go to work, right, to, to be able to eat and things like that, or 
mountain climbers, right? A lot of hardships. For what? To reach the peak. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. But then, right, but it doesn't have a lasting benefit, right? It doesn't have a deep, lasting benefit, right, to climb a mountain, right? Or to win a game, or right? But training the mind has deep, So is there a, a place for rest? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, we practice, and then when we're tired, we rest, and then to rejuvenate, and then practice mm -hmm. some more. You know, it's the same, like, physically, right? Physically, you can exercise, and then there's a time, right? You get tired, and then we need to rest, and then we rejuvenate ourselves, and then we can do more again. And training the mind is the same thing. So, so in the the perfection of joyous effort, mm -hmm. there's like what they call four conducive factors or something like that, and one of them is rest. Tiredness, the weariness in the mind is is different from just being tired, right? I mean, we will be tired, right? You meditate for a certain amount of time, you get tired, right? So yeah, yeah, we do need to recognize when we're tired and then take a break, and then don't take a break for the rest of your life. <laughs> and then when the tiredness is gone, we're going to the I can say it's it's better to to practice like the tortoise rather than the hare, right? So you know, right, run, 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 and then become exhausted, and right, um, you just do one step at a time, one step at a time, right, gradually. run in our practice and then get exhausted and then discouraged because yeah we you know I've been practicing for two weeks and I'm still not enlightened <laughs> right I mean I right. think it sounds silly right but that's what we do it's like hey I've been practicing for how many how long and I'm still not enlightened Again, again, and again, and again, right? So then the Trangu Rinpoche says that we might decide never to become angry ever again. However, <laughs> even with this decision, anger is still going to arise. 
we hadn't we don't have that much control over our mind yet. Right? It's not possible to prevent anger from arising by simply suppressing it. Right? And by suppressing an emotion such as anger, a lot of problems can ensue. Right? We create a pressure cooker and then resentment arises and then one day, right, we blow up right, for seemingly no reason, right, because we suppressed anger instead of So then he talks a lot about what we already discussed about how important it is for us to understand the problems that ensue from anger and that how anger, hatred, hostility will never get us what we really want. And I want to, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word anger because, yeah, I mean that, that 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 thought of it's not okay. It's not okay for people to treat me like that. Right? That that is that can be constructive, right? It's not okay for that person to treat me like that. Um, that initial that's not okay can be constructive. We just don't want to feed you know and let that go into rage and hostility and wanting to harm the other, right? The not okay is constructive as long as we we move it in a constructive direction, right? You know, as a wake-up call, but not as a that person was bad, we need to right, we need to get back at that Depending on how deeply we fall into the hostility, right? If it's just, you know, a flash and then we can overcome it, then it's not so damaging. But if we sink into hostility for a week, right, a couple of days, right, the longer we're in it, the deeper we're in it, the, if we look at our mind, we'll see how dark and heavy the mind 
no fortitude like patience, and uh, there's no negativity like hatred. Therefore, I shall cultivate patience persistently through various ways. Right? So it's easy to talk about patience, and it's hard to do it in a difficult situation. So it's useful to have an extensive toolbox. Yeah, and no matter what, just trying not, right, even if our mind is very, very agitated and we can't control it, like trying not to settle into the hostile state of mind. Just try not to sink into that. Yeah, try to counteract that. And I find personally just saying a mantra over and over and over again can just, can help, right, when the mind is just, get out of the negativity and then they just just say may you be happy 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 right I mean that that's hugely helpful it sounds really simple and maybe silly but it it drowns out the the storyline that automatic storyline that Then Shantideva talks about how the mind will not experience peace if it holds painful thoughts of hatred. Right? When we have hatred, hostility, rage, there's no peace in the mind. Right? It's impossible for the mind, for the angry, raging, resentful mind to be peaceful. And I shall find no joy or unsettled, right? So the mind of anger and rage and hatred is not a joyful mind or a happy mind. And it's an unsettled mind, and maybe we'll have difficulty sleeping, right? Because we're going over and over and over in our mind what that person did wrong. And this is like opposite of everything we're taught growing up like there's a sense of punishment that like I, I know I experienced this child like get time out or I get something taken away from me and then as we get older like punishment as in jail time or death penalty or whatever like that's very strong in our culture mm-hmm. and I think as I experience it that's what anger towards myself and others is like if I don't get angry then I'm not punishing them, which means it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I, so if I don't get angry, that's the cause for the thing to happen again. Mm-hmm. Like not like, yeah. not righteous anger, or you know, like mm-hmm. if yeah. that's a thing. But mm-hmm. it's like if I'm not having that reaction, that's the cause for it happening again because I'm not like railing against it, which is, which has never worked anyways. But yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of point. But yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's such a huge one, right? And so, one thing that comes to mind is patience doesn't mean that we don't say anything, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we don't. 
say, hey, I'm not okay with that. That's, you know, that is, right? That is hurtful or, right? But see, if we say it when we're angry, right? Even if we say the right words, right? There's a tone there, right? There's a, people pick up on the tone, the body language, the intention behind it, right? There's a, there's a, there's a desire to hurt, right? To lash out. And if we think about it, right? If somebody says something to us about, like, one of our behaviors, lashing out at us, are we able to hear it? Versus if somebody says it in a caring and constructive way, are we able to hear it? Like what what will more likely change our behavior? For me, right, if, if somebody's trying to hurt me, right, there's just this wall that comes up and I don't let what they say in so much. Because they're trying to hurt me. They're not out for my benefit. Yeah. But if someone who cares about me sits me down and says, hey, you know that thing that you did? You know, I really felt hurt by that. Right? I feel bad. <laughs> oh, I mean, nonviolent communication, I not, cannot say enough about how wonderful I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's changed my life, too. Yeah. So, and then the other thing, I think, and this is harder, it's like we're afraid that creating 
gonna, they're suffering now, and they're gonna suffer a lot more in the future. Like, we don't need to punish them for them to suffer. They're already suffering, right? And if they're lashing out at you, they're suffering more than you are, right? They're already suffering more than you are, and then they're creating causes for more suffering. Like, I remember Lonza Rinpoche once made this statement that hit me like a ton of bricks, that how they're creating the causes for endless suffering, and they have no idea. And they have no idea. Right? When we really get that, we don't need to punish them. They're already suffering, and they're, they're going to suffer more in the future if they don't change their ways. Yeah. So then, like, when, and when we're really getting that there's just suffering, then there's room for potential for compassion to arise, I think. And then when compassion arises, we don't want to punish, right? shouldn't do that kind of thing, never changed his mind at all. Actually, it reinforced his habit of, I'm a victim here. You are, you know, being so disrespectful to me, right? You know, he's the one who attacked me, and, and <laughs> I'm right, wrong for speaking to him disrespectfully, right? But, you know, coming at it from, oh, he's in pain, what is he I felt like that, that gave him more of a chance to change his ways. He was, he was more open to seeing the harm he was doing through responding to where he really was, responding to his needs, as opposed to, you shouldn't do things like that. Right. So yeah, so these are interesting things to,
know, it's interesting, you know, oftentimes people rage because they feel alone, yeah. not considered. And then when you rage, what you're doing is you're creating a process for people to not be around you. So you're creating a process to be alone, more alone, to not have support, to not have love. But then Shantideva says, the enemy, anger, hatred, creates suffering such as those but whoever assiduously overcomes it creates happiness in this and other lives. So gradually, slowly, slowly, if we can develop the patience that's genuinely undisturbed, and we'll talk in future weeks about how we can do that, not suppressing, right? But if we develop patience, who is so kind and so generous and never seeming angry. And, you know, it's interesting because his energy is so beautiful and so kind and that even when he does something wrong, it's so hard to be angry at him, right? It's like, I mean, it's amazing. I see, like, nobody gets angry at him, right? There's some kind of, right? There's some kind of protection from, like, when you have a really good heart and you don't get angry, right? There's, yeah, there's protection and people don't want to harm you. Don't, people don't want to get angry and it's yeah. even when you deserve to. <laughs> So then he, he talks about, and I think I talked about this before, about how the fuel of anger is mental unhappiness, becoming unhappy, right? So when a difficulty arises, when harm arises, when disturbance arises, when there's traffic, or when it's too cold, or when it's too hot, or when somebody parks in my parking spot, right? <laughs> right? Becoming, right? Or sits in my chair, right? Becoming unhappy is the beginning of anger. He says, having found its fuel of mental unhappiness in the doing of what I do not wish for and in the hindering of what I wish for, hatred develops and then destroys me. Right. So when I encounter what I don't want, or when somebody hinders what I do want, then it's easy to become unhappy. If we become unhappy, then anger and hatred can easily develop from that. Therefore, I shall totally destroy the fuel of this enemy. This enemy has no other function than causing me harm. So falling into unhappiness and then 
this morning next week because we're almost done. I'll, I'll just finish reading the next two verses because that will be a good conclusion for this week. So therefore, Shanti Deva says, whatever befalls me, I shall not disturb my mental happiness. Having been made unhappy, I shall not accomplish what I wish for, and my good qualities will Why be unhappy about something if it can be remedied? It's one of his most famous verses. Mm -hmm. And what is the use of being unhappy about something if it cannot be remedied? So trying. Do I go there or not? And we know it, and we can see that it's a choice because, like, if we're around somebody we really respect, or we don't want them to think badly of us, or we're at work, right? We're more likely to catch it and say, "Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rage," right? Right? Like, if I'm around my llama, I'm not gonna rage. Right? <laughs> I have enough control, right, that I know I'm not going to, right? And that's very telling to me. It's like, oh, you do have a choice. So that means sometimes you decide to rage, right? You decide to go there. Okay, so, so there's a lot, there's a lot in those last few verses that we'll go into those in more detail next week. So we can discuss those and see what doubts or questions or resistance people have to that. So we'll just dedicate, I'll dedicate with Shanti Deva again to whatever positive energy we create. All beings everywhere, plagued by sufferings of body and mind, obtain an ocean of happiness and joy by virtue of our merits. May no living creature suffer, commit evil, or ever fall ill. May no one be afraid or belittled with a mind weighed down by depression. 
whose bodies are worn with toil, to be restored on finding new clothes. May the naked find clothing and the hungry find food. May the thirsty find water and delicious drinks. Or the, may the poor find wealth and those weak with sorrow find joy. May the forlorn find hope, constant happiness, and prosperity. May there be timely rains and bountiful harvests. May all medicines be effective and wholesome prayers bear fruit. May all who are sick and ill quickly be freed from their ailments. Whatever diseases there are, Thank you.